EcoHealth Radio. We pay it forward. Welcome everyone. It's the Road Trip Show here with Diedrich. And uh, yeah, it is load shedding once again. Um, so yeah, we're sitting without power. Luckily we're on battery and all that kind of thing. But yeah, all these load sheddings, they bugger up the equipment and uh, yeah, well, what can you say? <laughs> Welcome back. Hi, good afternoon, dear Walton, all listeners again. Nice to be back again. <clears throat> we started um, taking off in the Kruger National Park uh, last week, and uh, that was quite interesting. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue. Quite, quite interesting, very interesting. Nothing <laughs> quite about it. <laughs> what, what was the other place there? The Crook's Hook? Crook, Crook's Corner. Crook's Corner. Crook's yes. Corner with the Kenya, <laughs> also Barnard. Who moved, who moved his beacon around so that the cops couldn't get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was quite funny. No, but I think we, we're staying in Kruger. And like I, like I thought, uh, it was going to take four or five episodes, I think, to, to cover Kruger properly. And we're still going to be in the northern part of the park for today. And generally, it's considered anything north of the Lataba River is the northern section of the park. Yeah. So... Last week, I think we, we, we chatted a little bit about Crook's Corner. We chatted about a couple of the camps in Gwedzi, Shireni, up that part of the world. And the richness of those eco-zones up in the far north along the Limpopo and uh, Luvubu rivers. And then as you move south now, you, you go into the predominantly Mapani felt. And that's always a bit of a monotonous area to drive through because it's very very it's, it's, it's kind of flat there's occasional copies that stick out but it's all one kind of vegetation and it's all just mapani tree mapani tree mapani tree mapani tree yeah yeah around the punam and rear area when the mapani grows on a different kind of soil or different substrate you actually mapani is actually growing to huge trees forest type trees but as you <coughs> head off down south it becomes more mm. shrubby but that is elephant heaven. The majority of the elephant population in yeah. Kruger is in that Mapani felt. Because they like the Mapani. They love the Mapani. Yeah. They love the Mapani. And uh, it's also home to the bigger herds, massive herds of buffalo, that kind of stuff, live in that Mapani. But for the rest, there's very, it's not, it's not great um, grazing area, so you don't really get the big herds of grazers. You're not, you're not seeing the, the villabies and the zebra and that kind of stuff up that, that part of the world. Yeah. It has its own charm, there's no question about that, especially in the autumn when the mapanis and the leaves start turning that golden golden russet brown color and you get that beautiful morning light, the, the, the bush turns like this beautiful golden color in the, in the oh, early yeah. morning and in the evenings. But that part of, the, part of the area, as we're coming down from where we left off, we left off last time we were chatted about Barnard and the recruitment of labor for the mines. And you've got a couple of the remnants, that little dipping tank uh, at Depeni. And now we sort of start heading a little bit further south. And we now cross the Tropic of Capricorn. So we leave the tropics now. There's a little marker in the road, a little brick line in the road in the tar, where you can actually stand, stand on it and you can be exactly on the tropics. Okay. <laughs> and that area is exactly on a, on a level with a lookout point, Shiba Vansengele, right on the border with Mozambique. It's a bit of a mission to get there. You climb up 
the road climbs this little copy and you stand there and you're literally probably 200 meters away so we're on the <coughs> Mozambique border but those kind of lookouts in that area there's not many of them because it's a kind of flat countryside but they do have an occasional copy and the parkers use yeah, yeah. utilize those to make beautiful lookouts and standing on top of that is a, it's a worthwhile little drive to get there and you can actually see this the mass of the expanse of Kruger when you when you stand on those kind of things but that's on the dirt road that goes south from uh, Shinkwezi down past the Engelhardt Dam I think it was that we, that we chatted about yeah, yeah. And uh, well not, the, not the Engelhardt, the Kaniduot. The Kaniduot yeah, dam. the Kaniduot. The yes. Kaniduot dam that is Duot now because they breached the wall. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so you, as you're heading down south, the, your first, your first sort of historical site there, a little spot called Bauker's Kop. Bauker was a guy by the name of Miles Robert Bauker as a hunter during the 1880s, again, way before Kruger was established. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's not Boucher. Ah, no, Maybe Bauka. it's family of uh, John Boucher. <laughs> Bauka, Bauka. Uh, it's again one of the early sort of characters of that area, and he was actually buddies with with the two people who f- founded the town of Barberton. Oh. Fred and Harry Barber were part of his normal winter hunting parties there. So just a little bit of interesting history how these names and places tie up. And eventually, after gold is discovered, Barberton yeah. get, get, gets founded. <coughs> but, uh, you know, those are the sort of the historical sites. There's a beautiful bird hide just south of that called um, Shipandani. Now, Shipandani lies just south of one of the main camps called Mapani. Mapani, obviously, named after the predominant yeah. plant growth in that area. And. Shippendani is one of the one of the little spots in Kruger. There's a couple of them dotted around the park that you can actually hire out to spend the night. So it's a, by day it's a bird hide, but at night you can book it out and then there's fold-down beds that are sort of hidden behind some panels in the wall and you fold them down and there's just you and your party that can stay there. Yeah, you got to be entirely self-sufficient. There's no and there's no electricity. There's there's nothing there. Yeah, but I've never managed to do that myself. But it's got to be quite an experience to sit there, and you're normally right on a water hole on the river. Yeah, and if you've got decent spotlights, it's got to be quite exciting to sit there quietly and watch whatever animals or birds it is that are coming down to that water at night. Yeah, but one of the interesting little spots up there is the actual Mapani Camp. Now, Mapani Camp is one of the newer camps in Kruger, and they realized very soon that, the, that a major camp was needed up in the northern part of the park because it's very, the accommodation is kind of scarce up that side of the park because it's, it's off the normal tourist route. It's far away. It's, you know, people didn't yeah. like the Mapani felt. But they built it on the banks of the Pioneer Dam. And it's sort of in a couple of little copies. And it's an interesting camp. It's one of the newer designs. It's no longer the little Rondavel type of accommodation yeah. that you see everywhere else. It's, it's more like little chalets. But what is so nice about this one is that with the modern thoughts and the modern way of doing these camps, they left as much of the indigenous bush in the camp as possible. Yeah. A lot of the other camps, you've got the little huts, and the huts are in circles and they've made grass in between it, and they kept a couple of trees, so you're not really sitting in the bush. Yeah. But in Mapani, when you're on the veranda, 
you might see a little bit of the house and stuff next door to you, but it's almost like you're surrounded by bush. Yeah. And that's really cool. I mean, you see a lot of the birds still stay there. You get the little squirrels and stuff coming in. Um, <laughs> so Mopani has its attraction. I When you first go to Mopani, you go, ah, no, it's in the middle of the Mopani felt, nothing to see. But once you start exploring it and you start seeing some of the more interesting stuff there, it grows on you. Mopani actually grows on you. Yeah. It's got a beautiful restaurant and viewing deck out over the Pioneer Dam. Massive baobab tree in the camp. And they've got a very nice walking trail right along the fence line. And more often than not, you will be able to go within a couple of meters of elephant. The elephant, obviously, the combo of the dam and the Mopani really like that area yeah so you're on this side of the fence the elephant is a couple of meters on the other side of the fence and that's always quite an experience and the 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 camp itself all right we did we shut down there no there we go i'm off ah (laughs) okay there it goes again you see it's around the the camp electricity that's buggering around now with everything okay but i'm back okay Okay. you carry on (laughs) <laughs> but around around the Mapani camp is a whole network of little dirt roads. And that always makes for very entertaining and very interesting evening or early morning drives. And it's one of the few parts, one of the few places in Kruger that I've actually seen Serval. Now, Serval is like a little, for those who don't know what it is, it's one of the cat family. It looks like a mini leopard on stilts. A mini leopard on stilts. A mini leopard on stilts. Okay. And its main prey is field mice or you know little rats and and stuff that live in flay areas it's a the the serval is a, is a cat that likes it or wet soggy areas yeah and just outside mapani are floodplains and wide open spaces so you get these wide open areas with 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 like this little pan in the middle and then these extensive reed beds and stuff around it and that's one of the few places i've actually seen serval which is always an attraction because that's again one of the Kruger rarities. Yeah. And the serval is stunning because I mean they 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 they, they 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 sort of stalk along and then they freeze and you see the ears go up two tiny pointy little ears, little radar beacons, and they pinpoint <laughs> something and then they leap. I mean they literally. I mean the serval. They've got photographs of servals leaping two and a half, three meters off the ground to catch birds. Wow. And then this thing just like on 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 springs, it just suddenly levitates out of out of out of the grass. It just levitates and then pounces. Yes on where it's heard that little sound. So there's a poor yeah. little mousey sitting there doing minding his own business. And next thing you know, you've got the serval that lands on top of you. <laughs> and that's one of the few places that I've actually seen that in, in Kruger. And there's, there's all sorts of interesting birds in those areas as well because you're just south of those, the Limpopo-Luvubu confluence. It's sort of the tropics. It's the tropical stuff. Yeah. So that area, you're right on the southern boundary of a lot of the distribution ranges of some of the tropical birds so you get some weird pratt and coals sitting there you know you get a couple of the weird swifts just north of there the racket tail roller is sort of recorded north of that area so that area for the bird watchers starts sort of in mapani heading north up right through up to um the punta maria camp and uh the the crooks corner area so the pioneer dam is one of those slightly controversial ones because again it's a dam built in an area where there wasn't ever water oh so okay. it has definitely <laughs> changed it's changed the ecology in that area a little bit but because of the proximity of the camp i'm not sure that they're ever going to breach that dam like they did on the kanidua dam 
Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to watch how, how that one actually plays out around Mapani. But Mapani, like I said, beautiful deck. Your little viewing decks that you can sort of have sundowners looking out over, over, the, over the dam. And Mapani, yeah, it, it grows on you. It's one of the bigger camps, but it definitely does sort of tend to grow on you once you, once you actually get in there and you stay there. Yeah. We've spoken about that little, that little bird, uh, little bird hide, but you're now also at the level where there's one of the other border posts that goes through to Mozambique. Okay. Now the border posts, like I've said, I think I said it last week. They've done it very cleverly. That you have to spend a night in Kruger, so that you don't just use the border post as a transit to cut across Kruger and make yeah. major traffic into Mozambique. So you have to spend a night in Kruger. And then the the Giriondo border post is sort of on a level with Mapani. Yeah. So yeah. you leave early from Mapani or you spend the night in Lataba, you can get to the Giriondo border post as it opens and then you've got the whole day to get through to um, Mozambique or your destination in Mozambique or you can go yeah. into the Transfrontier Park. There's some stunning places in the Transfrontier Park to stay and camp as well. Done that a couple of times and it's, that's kind of real wilderness as well. Okay. You've got a little picnic site en route there, the Makadzi picnic site. Again, we've used that often. You leave early, you stop there for breakfast because just at that picnic site is the chain across the road. And if the border post hasn't opened yet, then the chain is still there. So you've got a chance for a cup of coffee at the picnic site. And then you can queue up as, as you start hearing the first cars. You race out and you go stand first in queue at the, at the chain across the road. And the, 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 police, the police will come through, the border guys come through, open it up, and then you can follow them up to the border post as they go ready to, to open it up. Then you keep on coming down, the, the H1. And you've then got the Moiplas picnic site, which is the picnic site designed really to take the overflow out of Mapani camp. It's very close to Mapani. Picnic sites, all the picnic sites in Kruger are fantastic. There's no fence around them, but you've got the facilities. you normally got like a little central structure, a little okay. roof or a little yeah. shady area. Tables and chairs are there. The, the guys have got scottles and stuff for you. So you can rent a scottle to cook up the bacon and eggs. Yeah. And more often than not, at Moiplas, you've got elephants right there. So you can have your bacon and eggs sitting in the picnic site, and there's normally elephants browsing somewhere right, right there. It's unprotected, no fence around you. Okay. And that, that's always uh, quite, a, quite a good one. Then we've got one of the more special places in Kruger, and it's the people that have used this place tend, tend to sort of become ambassadors for it and always come back, back to the place okay. called Tsenze. Tsenze, which is what they call now a, a rustic camp. Okay. And it's a... It's a campsite, but it's a pretty well-organized campsite, if that makes sense. So you've got, you've got a bathroom, you've got facilities in there, but it is only for camping. Yeah. And a lot of people arrive there with their off-road trailers or those, you know, those, those like fold-out trailers and caravans, yes. and they use that camp purely as their base for, for almost like two weeks or so. Okay. Because you're slightly south of Mapani, so you're still in that Mapani felt. Senze, however is just in one of those areas where the vegetation is starting to change. 
So you've got lead woods, you've got apple leaves and stuff like that in the campsite. So you're not camping just in Mapani. Yeah. So it's like this little haven in the middle of all the Mapani felt. Yeah. And everybody who spent nights at Senzi, you've got to be pretty kitted out with all your camping stuff to stay there. But they swear by it. And people go back there year after year after year yeah. to go spend spend time at there. And uh, there's there's a couple of the big the bigger elephants seem seem to be around that area as well. We spoke a little bit about that that last week. You got to check in at Mapani Camp. You check in yes. at Mapani. Mapani is your closest shop. Yeah, you can get fuel, fuel your brywood, your charcoal. The little shops are stocked with meat, with meat and veggies and yeah, and tins and stuff. And then you can move down out, out of that one. Now, as we now start getting south of this region we're now heading down towards the actual Lataba River and the Lataba River is almost like one of those break points in Kruger it's the north north of Lataba is considered the northern part of the park south of Lataba is considered central part of the park okay and we're starting to get now into the slightly more utilized areas of of Kruger and one of the more interesting places there and it's a camp that's called Boulders Boulders Bush Lodge okay and that's one of these camps that you have to hire out in its entirety I think it sleeps 18 people um, so you've got the whole camp to yourself it's up on stilts you've got this beautiful view out on stilts. Over, over, over like a floodplain in front of you, and the camp is yours. Okay, so you it's say for, it's on stilts. So yeah, it's so it's like on, on poles, so you're nicely raised up above the floodplain, so you've got this beautiful oh, view out. That must be beautiful. And again, you know, it's, it's one of those, those places that is almost booked out a year in advance. Yeah. You, it, it's almost impossible to get into it. I've, I've got a first booking there through my brother. He, he's, he's celebrating his... <laughs> One of his one of his um, older birthdays, let's put it that way, <laughs> and the family's booked that camp out, and I'm really looking forward to going there because we've never been there before. Yeah, yeah. so that's going to be really exciting because it's you know if, if you two or three of you, it's kind of expensive to book out an 18 bed lodge. It yeah. just doesn't work. <clears throat> no, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're super rich, of course. Well, unless you're super rich, but unfortunately, <laughs> I, I don't I don't qualify there yet. <laughs> <laughs> now. As we now head further down south from from that area, the main road actually splits, and you've got the first major split in the H1 on, on the tar. And the one arm of the of the road now heads down towards Palabora Gate. Now, just off off there, you've got another one of these beautiful little bush camps called Shimowini. I think I've heard of that one before. And all these bush camps, you've got maybe 10, 12 little separate units. One of them is a two-bedded, one's a couple of them are four-bedded, one of them may, might be a six-bedded unit. Yeah. But maximum, you're looking at 10, 12 accommodation units. And, not, and further than that, there's absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, and you're lucky if you've even got cell phone signals. Sometimes it's a pleasure not to have cell phone signals so that your yeah. phone doesn't keep on going off at you. And Shimawini is the Shangan word for place of the baobab tree. 
And in the camp, there's a couple of the baobabs. They estimate this baobab somewhere around two to 3,000 years old. Whoa. And it's, again, it's kind of interesting to stand at this tree and you go, this thing has seen all of the history we're chatting about, plus more, plus way more. Yeah. From the first Portuguese, from the arrival of the of the Great Zimbabwe <laughs> civilization, it's seen the whole lot because that's that's only going back five, six, seven hundred years or so, and these trees were there before them, and they've managed and they've managed to to survive it. All of these camps as well have got uh, what they call guided guided game drives, so you can take early morning drive, or you can take a sunset drive. Those are always cool because you leave in late afternoon. And you're still out on one of the official vehicles after sunset. Yeah. Now, all the camp's gates open at sunrise and close at sunset for, for public if you're in your own car. But those drives allow you then, if you're being escorted by one of the passport staffs, one of the passport uh, nature guides. Yeah. And you can stay out after dark and the spotlights come out. And then you do a little night drive on the way back in with the, with the light shining off the side of the car looking for some of the nighttime animals. Yeah. That's always kind of exciting. You never really know what you're going to find, what's going to pop out there. <laughs> yeah, that's if you if you keep on heading down that road, you eventually intersect with the main road between Palabora Gate and uh, the camp called Lataba. <coughs> now, Palabora has got an interesting name. Palabora actually means better than the south. Oh, <laughs> okay. Better than the south, and the legend is that in that region. Some refugees from Great Zimbabwe, when Great Zimbabwe actually imploded, fled southwards, but went a little bit too far south and hit the malaria zones and the, the diseasey areas and turned around and came back up north and settled in this area called Palabora, and hence the name Better Than the South. And just down the road from Palabora is one of the cultural history sites, archaeological sites that is open to Joe Public. And it's a place called Masarini. And it's the historic settlement of a people called the Bapalaborwa. And it's a late Iron Age archaeological site. Oh, yes, yes. So it's, it's up on the side of this little hill. Now, Palabora, that Palabora area is characterized by massive granite copies that are sticking out out of the countryside. So you've got the, the, like these massive jumbles of huge granite boulders that stick yeah. out that form these little mountains. And Masserini's built up on the side of one of these. And it's been quite extensively excavated. There's a little museum on, on site where you can see some of the stuff that they've, that they've taken out. There's a guide there who will take you up through the, through the old village. They've excavated the old foundries and the old um, fire pits yeah. They've excavated the areas where the old huts and stuff were. They've reconstructed some of it. So it's a really interesting spot to explore. And I was running through, well, not running through. I was going through there the one day. <laughs> and you got to, you know, you're climbing up through little sandy, sandy paths up on the side of the scorpion, going down a bit and up a bit and down a bit again. Yeah. And I kicked up a little pile of dirt. And in this pile of dirt was a tiny little glass bead. Oh, and bright blue, bright, bright, bright blue little glass bead, and it's, a, it's, it's like a little ring that you can thread it on. You could thread it on some yeah, on, on, yeah. A, on a string or something like that. And that was 
historically used as a trading item by the Arabs who traded down the east coast of Africa. Okay. And there's speculation even that the origins of those glass beads came from as far away as China. Wow. Okay. So somehow <laughs> this little, this tiny little glass bead made it all the way across from Asia, traded with some Arabs, came down the, came down the coast, and then found its way a couple of hundred kilometers inland to land up at Maserini. And Maserini apparently was very, very well known because it was one of the few places that the Bapala Borwa had acquired the skill of forging iron. Oh. So it was a bit of, you know, iron, iron forging or forging as, as, a, as a whole was always considered as almost a kind of a mystical yeah. kind of yeah. activity, you know, shrouded in mystery and, and legends and kept obviously very, very secret. <laughs> yes. Because having an iron-tipped spear was obviously way, way better than having a, a fire-hardened throwing stick or something or yeah. a, something with a, with a stone tip. So they apparently built up a massive economy in that, in that little village and people came trading from far and wide looking for their iron and their, and their spear tips and other, other implements. Yeah. So they apparently became a very, very wealthy and very well-to-do settlement there. So if, if you are coming in through the Palaboro Gate, it's definitely worth your while having a quick stop there. They've got a little picnic site as well, so you can, you can plan it and sit down and have your sandwiches and stuff there. Yeah. But it's yeah. definitely worth it, getting hold of that guide and walking up through that, that little reconstructed village and having a look. And you, you know, and you, if you stand there and again you look at it and you go, this is a couple, four, five, six hundred years ago, that this, if, yeah. if not even longer. And you go, these guys were trading with Asia. Yeah. <laughs> China. Yeah. China. With China. Probably with China. So goods were being transported from this little <laughs> iron forge in Kruger and somewhere along the line there was some very serious trade going on. Yeah. And that little museum explains it very well. You can see the old trading routes and what what obviously I mean there's been a lot of research and certainly you know it's it's probably 99% accurate what they what they're putting in there there's new stuff always being yeah updated always being updated and found <coughs> but as we get to Palabora again Palabora is just on the edge of that kind of mapani felt you're getting mixed mapani felt there now with some bush willow stuff in it the bush willow requires slightly better soil than just the pure mapani so your geology is starting to change and if you stayed on the H11 you would actually eventually get to the camp called Lataba. <clears throat> now, Lataba is one of the bigger camps in Kruger. The word Lataba means river of sand. Because the Lataba River is a massive, massive river. I've seen it in flood before where it's actually gone over the high-level bridge. And oh, that's got wow. to be millions of liters of water per second that flow down that river. Yeah. Most of the time, though, it is a trickle and lots of little open areas, lots of old, lots of stagnant pools. From Lataba camp, again, there's all sorts of little loop roads. Now, Lataba itself is on the southern bank of the Lataba River. And if you leave the, the camp and you go head north, there's a beautiful river road. Um, little loop road that takes you along the along the Lataba, 
And there's an interesting little spot there, and it's hard to find it if you actually don't if you don't have the actual GPS coordinates because you yeah. you will miss it. And it's a place called the Dust Neves Cross. Dust Neves. The Dust Neves Cross. Now it sounds like a German word or something. It's actually a Portuguese. <laughs> it's a Portuguese surname. Oh, okay. Now he's got a, a heck of a name, Diocleciano Fernandes das Neves. Oh, was his full name. Now he's a Portuguese <laughs> trader. During the 1850s and 1860s. So it's not that long ago, but again, it's before Kruger was established. Yeah, yeah. Now, he very, there's not a lot known about this guy, but it, it is well known, however, that his caravans, he would have like 200 porters. He'd have like 20 elephant hunters with him. So this is, this is wow. huge expedition yes. stuff. That guy was rigged up. No, he was he was kitted. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna get um, taken out like old Barnard was by the Shangans. Yeah, a okay, yeah. little group of five Shangans was not gonna take this guy out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he carved a cross into an old leadwood tree on on that on that river road. Yeah, and it's about an eighty percent that the story is correct that that is actually his cross. And if you look carefully on the bark of the tree, it's a big scar now on the tree. With a yeah. little bit of imagination, you can actually see that it is a cross. Yeah. And it's been attributed um, to this guy's. Now, there's, there's still discussion about whether it is Dashnevs who, who um, put it in there. The other one is that it could have been Joao Albacini, one of, one of Joao Albacini's markers for his mail runners, because Albacini ran one of the stores much further down south, what is now next to what... Uh, Next to Pabeni Gate in Kruger, so again a little bit a little bit of an unknown. Yeah. But Lataba Camp, although it's one of the bigger camps in Kruger, you're right on the river. It is the entire camp is in riverine forest, so you got huge huge trees all over the place. I tend to use Lataba as an overnighter. I will spend say two or three nights in Lataba. Before I tackle the Girionda border post and head off into Mozambique. Okay. And Lataba's got a whole lot of what they call um, circles, you know, so the, the, the rondavos are put in, into circles. But there's a couple of half circles on the fence line, so if you're lucky enough or if you book that one, you actually get a beautiful river view out, out, of, out of your veranda. And much like Shinguedzi, Lataba's got this restaurant overlooking the river. Okay. Shinguedzi gives you a more rustic, more wild feel because the camps seem to be a little bit smaller and like you're almost like close to the river in Shinguedzi. But Lataba yeah. got this lovely restaurant, big veranda, and you've got this huge expansive view out over this bend in the river. Yeah. And it's just worth having a dinner there or just worth having a lunch there just to sit and thoroughly enjoy yeah, that mass ex- expanse there. The spot to go to, of course, is the Lataba Elephant Hall. They've got a massive elephant display in Lataba, okay. where in previous years, whenever they had what they called the Magnificent Seven or the Big Tuskers, yeah, the big yeah. the big male elephants, they would actually track them. They put they put collars on them. And they kept special track of these elephants. And whenever one would, would, would die, they would actually go and retrieve it. Yeah, yeah. And those now, those elephants, although the elephant heads are up and on display 
in this elephant hall. Okay. And it is absolutely incredible to stand next to these guys. The the most famous one was uh, Mafonyane, Mafonyan. And he was a strange one as well because it's speculated that he survived a hunting incident where someone shot him in the head. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how it happened, but the, he had a hole right on the top of his head that somehow went through to his navel cavity. And he oh. apparently could actually breathe through this hole. Okay. So I don't know how the hunter would have shot him unless the hunter was in a tree or something or, yeah. you know, or something, something weird. But it's the speculation is that it was an old bullet hole that healed up. But as you look at the tusks on this guy and you stand next to it, the tusks are well over two meters long, two and a half meters long. Sure. And I've seen one or two of these, these, these huge elephants. I've seen, I saw um, Shingue, I saw um, Chokwan once. And it's awesome. It's absolutely awe-inspiring to sit next, to stand next to these animals or just look and view them. Yeah, yeah. And there's a nice display on elephant, on the biology of the elephant, the physiology, the challenges faced by elephants, the poaching, the ivory trade. You know, yeah. so it's, it's worth spending an hour or two in the elephant museum. There, you've got to spend some time at the at the restaurant and just have a look at that. Yeah. Again, in, in Lataba, you've got a fantastic <coughs> river walk that you yeah. can do there as well. Are you you looking for a break here? Yeah, I think let's quickly go to break and then we continue on uh, there where we were. Hey, hundreds. And uh, yeah, we'll be back shortly. Okay, we are back here on Radio Eco Health with a road trip show and the road trip essay app. Please go look for it on the App Store um, and on the Google Store. It's everywhere. And Didrick, over to you again. Yeah, no, we're still still in Lataba Race Camp, and Lataba. It's like it's like camping in a forest. It really is. Huge trees all over the place. You're on the banks of the river. One of the things you've got to watch out for in, in Lataba is uh, right next to the restaurant, you park at the restaurant, you've got the restaurant in front of you, you've got the Elephant Museum or the Elephant Hall on the left-hand side, is there's actually signs there that warn you of falling fruit. Oh. I'm going to get murdered by fruit. You're going to get murdered by a fruit. And it's what's called the sausage tree. <laughs> and the, this worse. tree's fruit is honestly, it's, it's get a fruit that looks like a salami on steroids. Oh yeah, and these things drop off, drop off the tree, and if they drop onto your car, it's worth it's worse than a high felt thunderstorm, hailstorm. It Ooh. will dent your car. So Ooh, there's wow. signs there that say beware of falling fruit, which I think is a kind of a unique one. Yeah, there's on the, on the northern side. If you if you leave the camp and you drive along the, the tar road, the tar road heading north follows a little bit of the Lataba River before you get to the bridge. You've got that like a little loop with the Dashnev's Cross. Uh, just over the river, you can swing a, a right, or you swing swing off down to the east, and then you actually get down to the area around the the Engelhardt Dam. Again, I I don't think that one's ever going to get breached. It's on a river, so it kind of makes sense there. It's on one of the major rivers. Yeah. But Engelhardt was an interesting character. Again, Charles William Engelhardt donated the money for the construction of this dam, but he was the next World War Two U.S. Air Force bomber pilot. Oh, okay. Came to South Africa and actually serves as the chairman of the Rand Mines Group. Oh, If wow. anybody wants to know who Mr. Engelhardt was and why he got the... He actually donated. But interesting, you know, U.S. Air Force bomber pilot somehow now tied in yeah. with, 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 with Kruger. 
and he was obviously passionate about nature conservation. You've got, um, in that area, you've also got uh, Anna Lederboer's grave. Anna Lederboer being the wife of one of the first game rangers in Kruger. She's also buried, buried in that area. Now, I've had a couple of amazing sightings in and around Lataba. Okay. Two of them are one of those sunset night drive things. <coughs> and along that river, at one point, we actually saw flocks of what are called red-billed quilia. Oh. Tiny little birdies. It's about the size of a sparrow. But some people actually say it's one of the most numerous bird species in the world. Because there are flocks, literally, of millions of these little birds. They're little seed eaters. Yeah. And they actually become a plague. And many, many farmers have been ruined by flocks of these quilias that go into their maize fields, into the wheat fields and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But the one night we actually came across a roost. There's one of the, one of the quilias roosts is just outside of the camp there. And you shine the spotlight on these trees and it is just wall-to-wall birds. Sure. It's just wall-to-wall birds. That Millions. must be amazing to That's see That's an that. amazing sight. And it's one of those sights with a big flock of quilias and you see them flying. It's like this cl- the smoke cloud. Yeah, yeah. And they just wheel and they turn. So that's one of the more memorable sightings. And I actually saw one of the white lions there as well. Oh. On a night drive, guide stops, spotlights are out, lioness comes across the road, and out of the bush tumble this little group of of tiny little cubs. They couldn't have been more than two or three weeks old. Tiny little guys, could hardly walk properly yet, but they're coming across the tar road. And the very, very last one was a snow white lion. Wow, <laughs> and it's just a color variation. I mean, that's all yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's it's just a it's a double recessive gene that pops out every once in a while. It's yeah. a very rare one because obviously white a lion that's snow white doesn't exactly have much advantage of camouflage when it's trying to do the hunting thing. Yeah. So it's not exactly a gene that's going to be promoted in the population. Is it male or female? I don't know. It's a tiny little cub. Oh, oh, oh! And one of the cubs. The, the the gene pool of those white lions <laughs> lies just outside of the border of Kruger in that area in the Tumbavati. It's that seems to be the core of where the white lions come from. There's one. There's a there's a couple of books written about the white lions at Tumbavati as well, and become they've actually become quite famous. And unfortunately, it is an attraction for big game hunters. Yeah. On in in that private land. But it was, just an, it was just one of the more memorable sightings that I had on one of those night drives. This tiny snow white little ball of fluff following all his other brothers and sisters. But I mean, he, <laughs> stuck, he really stood out as an entirely different color. So it's not yeah. like it's just a light beige. He's actually snow yeah. white. Oh, wow. And it's also, it's not, a, it's not an albino. Albino is a lack of pigment. pigment. Yeah. These yeah. guys have got pigment. It's just that the, the fur color is just different. Yeah. And strangely enough, when you're coming up from the southern side <clears throat> towards Lutaba... <clears throat> You've, again, you've got the river road up from Olifant's camp. You can follow from Olifant's all the way into Lataba. You can follow on the river road. And to, as you come towards Lataba, you just, you're on the edge of the, of the Engelhardt Dam. And it was one of our most big trips where my daughter suddenly said, Whoa, stop, stop, stop. Ah, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Now, okay, you go, okay, squirrel. Why are we stopping for squirrels? The squirrels are all over. You see squirrels absolutely everywhere. Yeah. A little tree squirrel. But this was a snow white one. This was an albino squirrel. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tiny, beautiful little guy, but snow white. Yeah. Snow, snow, snow white, just outside Lataba camp. I've never so Lataba, heard of that so Lataba for me has produced some really, really memorable Moments. sightings. Sightings, yeah. 
And those those couple really stick out in in my memory there. On the northern bank, you've got another one of the bird hides on the northern side of the river. So if you go across across the the bridge, you swing a right towards Engelhard Dam. You got the you got the bird hide and stuff. So Latabo is definitely one of the one of the more interesting little spots that you can stay in. It's a fantastic yeah. overnighter if you if you're going um, into Mozambique. Now, I've always regarded the Olifants River as well. The Lataba River, Olifants River. The Olifants River is also the provincial boundary between Limpopo and Pumalanga. Oh, yeah. So, the next major river that you, that you get down to as you're traveling down south is the Olifants. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the more spectacular camps in Kruger is Olifants Camp. I've never been a big fan of Olifants Camp. Because most of the huts are very, very closely spaced on a hillside, and you don't get much view except the back end of the hut in front of you. Oh, okay. However, if you are clever enough, and if you book early enough, there's a there's a line of huts up on the edge of the cliff with the most fantastic view out over the Olifants River. I think it's huts one to nine. Okay. You've got a beautiful guest house there as well, also on the edge. And all of that is centered <coughs> around the restaurant complex in Olifants. Yeah. And like I go, you've got to have a lunch in Chinguedzi. You've got to have something on the veranda at Lataba. You have to sit at that restaurant in Olifants. Yeah. They've got a beautiful viewing deck. You're a couple of hundred feet or meters above the Olifants River. And... Olifants Camp is also just on one of those breaks. As you go over that Olifants River, you hit an entirely different eco-zone. So you, you've now more or less left the Mapani behind. And you're going into bush willow, mixed bush willow, with, and the acacia felt is starting. Yeah. So Olifants, if you can get one of those cliffside huts, is without doubt one, going to be one of the highlights of your stay there okay cliffside you say it's right on the edge of a cliff you literally can sit on your little veranda you've got a little wall and the and the cliff drops in way in front of you Ooh. and you probably 100 100 120 meters up wow on the mountainside overlooking <coughs> overlooking uh heading looking looking down south oh that's high eh? that's high that's Yo. very high and again you sit there and like kruger again is one of these spots where if you're sitting at that place, you don't have to go out looking for game because you will yeah. see the elephant coming down. There's always hippo in the river. There's always crocodile. There's always a massive variety of birds in the river as well. You've got fantastic drives, very slow little dirt roads in and around in and around um, Olifants. You can head down south. You can head up north. And you've got a massive variety of eco zones and stuff that you that you can uh, go and explore just outside because it's a taro that goes into Olifants as you hit the T-junction there's another little lookout there another beautiful lookout over the river uh, called Nwamanzi but you've got to watch out for the monkeys there there's a, there's a resident troop of monkeys that live on that, <laughs> on that little kopi and if you troublemakers absolute and if you <laughs> give them half a chance if you get out the car and leave the door open they will be in your car as you step out to the barrier to yeah. go now haul out your binoculars and scan the river. They will get in your car and they will steal something. 
and at best it might be a banana something at worst it's your binoculars wallet or car keys and oh, uh, <laughs> car keys that could be a problem and that's going to be that's going to be a huge huge problem <laughs> Olifant's camp was actually a donated donated to the park it was built entirely by total oil okay and kruger it's government organization you know they they're always short of money they always they will not always short of money but they're looking for sponsorships they're looking for donations and total was actually very clever they they sponsored the building of Olifant's camp in okay. return for having the sole rights of selling all fuel in the park oh so okay. every single fuel <laughs> pump you get to in every single camp you get to is it is total you have no other choice you will buy total oil yeah. it's obviously slightly more expensive than outside the park yeah. and they justify that by going oh no no but you know there's so much transport and uh, it's difficult <laughs> to get there and ah uh, so your fuel <laughs> in the Krugers is slightly more expensive than outside yeah. but I can only imagine though that the subs- the, what they paid to build that camp has, has been paid back 10,000 times yeah. by uh, <laughs> must be by now <laughs> by, by yes. what they managed to sell in in, in, the, in the park yeah so you know, where, where we sit now with this is we're just on that break of the of the Olifants River. And as we get south of that now, once you cross the Olifants, you're actually hitting an entirely new world in Kruger. You've left the, the northern geology behind. You've left the Mapani felt behind. And we're now heading into what's, what we call the the central areas of the park. Okay. Carry an entirely different character, an entirely different feel, an entirely different type of bush. Yeah. Hits you there. The first camp that you can get to in that side is a tiny little camp called Baluli, the Baluli Rustic Camp. Now, I stayed there once years ago with my father. My father took me on a Little, the little trip through Kruger, just a him, him and I trip, boys okay. weekend out. Yeah, yeah. And we stayed at Baluli, and at that stage there was no electricity. You didn't even have running water in your in your hut. It was a communal bathroom. Yeah. The guy at night would come and fill up an, an enamel jug on your veranda, so that you had water in a little jug, so you could just shave or or wash your face and stuff. Yeah. No windows. The hut was just entirely wall and just under the eaves was a, a strip of wire mesh to try and give some kind of yeah. um, ventilation it didn't work you sweated yourself to death <laughs> in, in those little huts <coughs> that that is that camp is really really made for sort of the bush real bush lovers diehards yeah. half the camp has got I think there's seven or eight little huts in there what have we got uh, yeah I think no six there's six huts. There's six huts in total in Baluli, and then there's quite an extensive campsite. Yeah. So, you know, Olifants does not have a campsite, so the campsite for Olifants is actually now Baluli. Yeah. And a stay there is absolutely magnificent. Again, it's one of those camps where at night it shuts down, there's no noise, you're in the bush. Yeah. It's right on, one, it's right on the river as well. It's right on the banks of the Olifants River. There's wildlife there that is just most... It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And you, could, you, know, you, and you can do the game walks in that area. So if you're really into that bush and that really quintessential bush, bush experience, Baluli, 
yeah. is definitely one of the spots that you want to go there. There you take your gas lamps, your your, yeah. your Kadak, Bry, and everything. I think <laughs> I think the the huts now do have a, they they do run on solar and there's limited electricity. Okay. But you're certainly not going to recharge your laptop or recharge your cell phones and stuff. No. It's 12 volt. It's 12 volt power in there. Yeah, and it's just one. Of, it's, it's an absolutely magnificent, absolutely magnificent sight. But we're now sort of on that, on that um, Olifants River, and now one of my favourite roads is as you go over the bridge heading south, you've got what's called the Timbavati River Road. Okay. Now Timbavati is probably one of the most game-rich areas in Kruger. Okay. <clears throat> And you're just starting the areas where the grazing herds are coming. So you're now picking up your herds of zebra. You're picking up your herds of wildebeest. As far as I know, the Olifants River is the furthest north that white rhino have been recorded. Okay. I know the rhinos in Kruger are taking a hammering at the moment because of the big poaching issues. Yeah, yeah. And depending on who you're reading or who you're following or what articles you're following it just gives various um accounts of accounts of the decimation of the rhinos the rhino population in Kruger is definitely uh, diminishing unfortunately yeah. some reports are saying they got it under control uh some reports are giving the fact that they've now got the one of the kingpins down from hazy view has been arrested and thrown into jail eventually after the 14th time of him yeah. being arrested so hopefully they're getting that under control. It'll be a very sad day yeah. indeed if there's the day there's no more rhino left in Kruger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the conservation <laughs> success stories of the 1960s, the reintroduction of rhino into Kruger. Rhino used to be in Kruger. Rhino went extinct in Kruger. Yeah. And rhino were reintroduced from the Tlutlui Omphalosi Park. They were introduced into the area around Pretorius Cop. In fact, if you drive out of Pretorius Cop along what's called the Fortrecker Road, you at one point will hit a big fenced encampment. Yeah. And that was the reintroduction camp for the mm. white rhino at the time. It's now, it was now, it's now used for other purposes of wildlife management. But the first rhino were introduced there and released out of that camp. They had one or two subsequent introductions, which yeah. you have to do in order to keep the genetic pool healthy. Otherwise, going, it's just too yeah. much inbreeding. But... The rhino increased into, I think at one stage, three and a half or 4,000 white rhino just in Kruger. Yeah. And it was one of the success stories in nature conservation because white rhino is one of the only large mammals ever to be taken off the endangered species list. Oh, that's... Because the yeah. Natal Parks Board had such a fantastic conservation program and reintroduction program of rhino and they put rhino yeah. everywhere every single park in KZN almost had white rhino in it yeah. then they started farming them out to the other national parks and it was a huge success story but now unfortunately yeah. we're seeing the, the absolute decimation of, of the rhino populations so as you now come south and you hit that Timbavati road you now for the first time really have chance of bumping into white rhino as well Awesome. And actually, one, one of my stories on that Timbavati Road is the Timbavati Road is a very windy road and it's a lot of ups and downs because you're following the hills now next, next to the river. 
and we come to like a little viewpoint. There's all, a whole gaggle of little viewpoints, you know, like a little tiny detour to yeah. take you closer to the river, and you windy, windy through some bushes, then you join the main road again. And one stage we we get to the spot, and there's two or three cars parked there, and we stop and we have, have a look, and there we see this leopard in the grass, and she's lying on a very old, very smelly waterbuck kill. Oh, yeah. So you really didn't want to get downwind of this one. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was a really horrible, rotten um, carcass. So, of course, the family's hugely excited leopard, and it's right there, and it's a couple of meters away from the car. Yeah. And you can see this leopard is, is, is supremely grumpy. Okay. Being disturbed on a kill, there's two or three cars, and the guys are maneuvering and reversing and trying to get a better position all over the place. At one stage, I see the leopard now dives down the back of the kill. And I thought, okay, if I go out and back onto the main road, we'll see it as it comes out through like the little gully or the little donga. Yeah. Now the windows are open. The leopard's now coming up on the other side of the car. So my wife is in the chair, passenger seat. My daughters are in the back. Windows are open. I've got my camera out. I'm going to get pictures of this leopard. Yeah. But this leopard comes storming, storming in a full charge out at us. Oh, wow. And uh, you can imagine the absolute <laughs> pandemonium in the car as this leopard storms towards the car. And, I mean, she, this leopard stops like three, four meters from us. Yeah. And when, when leopard charges, it puts its paws out, like shakes its paws to, to create dust. And, and it's doing this two, three meters from the car. Well, absolute pandemonium in the car. I'm shouting, keep the window open, keep the window open. I'm trying to keep photos of this thing. <laughs> My wife is, no, open, close, 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 close. <laughs> But what actually uh, happened with this leopard is once she settled down again and gone back into into the grass, I could get some good close-up shots of it. Yeah. You could see that her one side of the face was full of porcupine quills. Ooh. And the side of her face completely swollen up. You could see the one eye had gone all milky already. Oh, yeah. And she was obviously in a heck of a lot of pain. Yeah. And some kind of infection had set in. And I don't think that that leopard was going to make it Yeah. another another couple of nights. That's also probably why she was on that really stinky carcass, because it was some food at least for her. Yeah. But the Timavati Road is that kind of road. It produces, I've seen wild dog on that road. I've seen lion on that road. And the Timavati Road is really one of the must-do roads for, the, uh, for, for Kruger. If you're staying in Satara, early funds, you, that's, that's one of your sort of almost obligatory day trips. There's a lovely picnic site on the road as well called the um, Timavati picnic site. One, again, one of those little spots right next to the, right next to the river. You can park off there, scottles, etc., right on the riverbank. Little bushbuck. There's but a couple of resident bushbuck there as well that come and, come and visit you when you're having your breakfast. Now, I've got a question. If you see something like that now with this leopard, can you uh, tell someone, listen, yeah, that leopard is in distress. Uh, do they go out and help the animal? Or? The, the <laughs> park tries, obviously, to keep everything as natural as possible. Yeah. yeah. They will respond to snaring incidents, etc. They will respond to heavily injured animals. And occasionally they will step in and do something with it. Snare, they will remove the snare. They will dart, remove snare, treat animal. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, if possible, save save the animal. 
Yeah. But a natural injury like that is na- let nature take its course. Yeah. Okay. That's the way it works. Leopard, the, yeah. That leopard tried to tackle a porcupine. Porcupine is very, very tasty meat, and there's obviously a very good technique that leopard needs to learn in that you've got to attack porcupine, flip porcupine on its back, and then yeah. you go in from underneath. If you try and bite it through the, through the, yeah. through the spines, you're on, to, you're on a hiding to nothing. So this, this <laughs> yeah. poor leopard was obviously hungry, or maybe it was already getting old, or maybe it was already a bit weak, and the porcupine's yeah. defense is it cannot shoot quills. Okay, let's also put that one to bed. A corgin that can't shoot its spikes at you. But what it does, it obviously keeps its bum towards you because that's where the most of the spikes are. Yeah. And part of its defense is it'll rattle and stomp and stamp its feet and growl at you. Yeah. And if you still don't listen, it just goes into reverse gear and rushes at you to come and spear you. That's (laughs) That's its defense mechanism. And the porcupine quills have got little barbs in them, so it sticks. So it goes into you, and you've got like little hooks that, that now prevent it falling out. Yeah. So yes. that's obviously what happened to this leopard. It was trying to do something, and porcupine reversed into her face. Oh. <laughs> and she came, or she came or second best. You got such a way with words. <laughs> 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 I just love it. <laughs> but yeah, guys, I see we're back on time. Are we? We're back on time. <laughs> <coughs> oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just when it was getting interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, we've still got another at least two episodes in Kruger. We're coming into the more populated areas of Kruger, the central and the southern side of the park. A lot more things are happening down there, a lot more camps, a lot more roads, and quite a bit of history down that side. You're looking at Skakuza, that's the headquarters of the park. James Stevenson Hamilton had his headquarters there. There's a whole lot oh, of interesting yes, things yeah. just in Skakuza. And then you're hitting the, a lot of, some, believe it or not, some of the Anglo-Boer War played out on the southern side of the park as well. Okay. So, some interesting stuff coming up in the next episode or two on Kruger. Awesome. I seriously want to go there because I've been here in, uh, all my life. I've never been to Kruger. Never. So You've never yeah. been to Kruger? No. <laughs> I just hear everyone, uh, friends of ours, and they going to Kruger. I was saying, yeah, well, you go have fun, okay? <laughs> Excellent stuff, man. Excellent awesome. stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Diedrich. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy li- listening to this episode. I'll be putting it up as a podcast as well, and you can go listen to uh, some of the previous ones as well. And uh, yeah, thanks Diedrich And uh, we'll play out with some lekker music Hope you guys enjoy the